0: Hello, and welcome to The Advantage Investor, a Raymond James Limited podcast, a podcast that provides perspective for Canadian investors who want to remain knowledgeable, informed, and focused on long-term success. We are recording this on February the 2nd, 2023. I'm Chris Cooksey from the Raymond James Corporate Communications and Marketing Department, and today I'm looking forward to chatting with podcast regular, Nadim Kassam. Nadim is our head of investment strategy. And today we talk about how the year has started and what has his attention at the moment. Nadeem, how are you doing this Groundhog
1: Day? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. And uh, thank you again for inviting me back to the podcast. It's always uh, a pleasure to be here.
0: Nadim, how are you doing this Groundhog? Oh, sorry. No Groundhog <laughs> Day joke, my apologies. Um, we do have a lot to get to, so let's jump right in. Uh, why don't we start with how the year started in terms of performance in the markets?
1: Well to reference a, a piece that we recently published, uh it's called the Slingshot uh, Start to Twenty Twenty Three. That's exactly what it's been been like so far. Um and, and and that's largely been attributed to um you know the reopening of China. So they you know, late late in twenty twenty two, um the communist regime uh, did a complete um one eighty, um abandoned their um, three three years of zero covid lockdowns and essentially reversed uh back to their their historical kind of growth posture if you will um and and that has sent markets rallying risk assets so equities anything that is you know on the higher risk spectrum of of across the security spectrum um They've all rallied higher. So
0: so, so sorry, just to interrupt there. We yeah. often hear risk on, risk off, risk on, risk off. It sounds like the Karate Kid a bit. Um, what exactly is a risk asset? Maybe just give us a quick little, like two seconds.
1: So equities, I would say, are is a risk on assets. Bonds are a risk off. Okay. Simply put, uh, but within equities or stocks, there's different categories and the spectrum is quite wide. Typically, U.S. anything U.S. or so U.S. dollar, U.S. bonds, U.S. equities, and if we think about U.S. equities, we mean broadly speaking the S&P 500, which is a composite of 500 of the largest companies in the U.S. That is deemed as a typically a, a risk, a low lower risk or risk-off type of asset class, if you will, uh, from a, a bigger picture global equity standpoint. Whereas uh, more risky assets, um, such as emerging markets um, or equities in those markets are more uh, on the other side of the spectrum, more higher risk. To, to put it simply, what, uh, what we've seen so far this year is we've seen all of these risk assets. So let's take equities as an example. They've all rallied higher. But within The equities complex, we've seen Chinese related equities benefit the most. So, Hong Kong, Taiwan, anything in that, you know, close to the Asia Pacific area rally very strongly. Um, If we look at Europe, we've seen, you know, a warmer winter. So, that's been uh, partly beneficial to, you know, all the, you know, headwinds that they were facing, inflationary headwinds in particular. So again, those markets have rallied higher as have, um, you know, markets here in Canada and the U.S. But for those of you that follow us on LinkedIn or subscribe to our research, um, in our latest piece, you know, it's a slingshot start to the year. We actually show how markets and various markets across regions globally have performed um, since the since um, the reopening that we've seen um, in China on on October 31st, 2022. And you'll have, let's say, um, U.S. equities on one spectrum, Canadian equities on, on one side of the, the spectrum, up, let's say, anywhere between 5 to 7 8%. And then on the other side, you have Chinese equities, Hong Kong equities, Taiwan equities up anywhere between 30 to 50%. So it's okay. it's quite material, um, again, uh, in terms of the, the variation in performance within this risky bucket of securities in, in a very short span of time.
0: Okay. Now, um, I'm going to ask you your base case. And if a recession is still in the cards, of course, with the caveat of it's very hard to know what's going to happen. One year ago, approximately, uh, no one had Russia going into Ukraine on their bingo card. Um, So with that in mind, what is your base case? And especially around recession? Is that still a likely outcome?
1: Yeah, look, I I think recession. I I think fear sells, right? So you know, when you know, for those of us that are, you know, uh, watch the news, CNN to you know, even CP twenty four, um, it's less about uh, the great things that are occurring in society, and and rather, you know, I guess if I if I just read the captions, it would be a lot of the negativity, and that's what keeps people's attention um, on the screen. So, this these people unfortunately passed away, or there was this accident. Like, a lot of negativity on the headlines, right? Um, if we take that to, to the media, you know, recessions are scary. Recessions are disruptive. People lose jobs. A lot of wealth is lost. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty heading into recessions during recessions, um, and again, there's quite um, there's there's quite a bit of variations in in just what a recession means right so to some that live through the great depression that's the worst thing ever um, whereas others that have only experienced one recession two-month recession for example uh, the COVID-19 recession in 2020 you know that seemed pretty um, seamless right um, we, we saw a brief uh, spike in unemployment we had you know Governments, central banks, policymakers kind of come into the rescue, and we were off to the race. Races, wealth, uh, markets, you know, again, all rose. So if you were invested in residential real estate, if you were invested in any type of assets, interest rates went down, markets went up. Again, seemed pretty rosy. But if you compare that to, as an extreme, Great Depression, financial crisis, it means, again, the connotation associated with that and depending on who you speak to, um, will vary. In our in our view, we believe that there's been a lot done on the policy side of things uh, in terms of interest rates, um, in terms of how quickly stimulus has been pulled out of the markets, and that's had a material impact on spending, on hiring, on just fundamentals in the real economy. Um, for example, when the cost of borrowing is 2%, um, let's say you can lock in, let's say, five years ago, five-year fixed rate for 2%, and now that's almost 7 like that has a, a huge impact. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a, a personal uh, borrowing for, let's say, a home. Uh, but if, if over that same period you're seeing um, inflation that is three, four times higher than uh, what it was before, while wages have remained relatively steady over this period – Net net, consumers have that much less to really work with, right? right? And and companies, if you think about, they were borrowing at two percent. Well, now their borrowing costs are, you know, uh, a spread above, you know, whatever the uh, overnight rate or or for kind of uh, prime rate is, right? So, you know, again, it's not it it's not it wouldn't be, um, you know, too crazy to think that some companies would be borrowing in this current market. Uh, forget personal consumers borrowing at seven, eight percent if they were to go to market and they needed that form of longer term liquidity, right? Because the alternative is uh, government bonds, which are yielding anywhere between three to four percent over various time frames, right? So, mm-hmm. why on earth would you lend to a corporate uh, for anything less than that, right? So, there's that risk premium. So, again, big picture, our, be- our belief is that. We've seen a lot done, and just the sheer pace of the change in interest rates to the upside um, has been, you know, again, something that most people, most investors that that are in the market today have never experienced. In fact, they rival that of what we saw in the 70s. Right. Uh, we've heard from the Bank of Canada, we heard from the Fed just yesterday, ECB today. Again, they're holding rates, and there's the rhetoric is that they're staying there. Um, so again, like that's, that's damaging, um, to the real economy, um, the longer it stays there. So our view is that we go into a mild recession again, what does that mean? When does that occur? How bad is it? What does that mean for employment? Like those are all things that we're monitoring, but what we can confidently say is that all the indicators that we watch that, that kind of guide us in terms of, uh, i would say um, time stamping where we are in the cycle or approximating where we are in the cycle all of these have wor- worsened and weakened um in the past year and and i would say we're closer to the late end of the cycle um closer to a recession than we are at the beginning
0: and as we know the national bureau of economics will let us know when we were in a recession 12 to 18 months after the recession started
1: that's exactly so- it and CD Howe in in canada will will let us know when when we're in a recession and and again we had two two quarters of contraction in the us last last year that wasn't enough because it wasn't it didn't meet the definition of a broad based right uh, slowdown in the economy so yeah i'll just i'll 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 pass it back to you
0: all right now um earnings have started how are they doing so far
1: yeah so that that's um that's really interesting right so um you know up until this point and i wouldn't say up until this point up until the back half of last year you know earnings were more or less pretty pretty, pretty optimistic on paper. But our review has been that, you know, given the lag effect of policy tightening. So again, we just talked about if interest rates, and, and if we just simplify it for a sec, if I'm a borrower and let's assume that, you know, GDP or the economic health is highly dependent on what I do as a consumer, let's, as an example, let's eliminate everyone out of the equation. Um, if i was borrowing for 2% um and now the cost of borrowing is 4% and i can't purchase a home um because my wages haven't increased um i don't meet the you know more stricter um, stress testing requirements well you know that that's going to have an impact on the activity in the economy i can't buy that house i'm not going to have that demand for that house it's not going to create this this multiplier effect which housing and and durables have on on the real economy right so if you just think about it you get an appraiser they come and appraise a house you get a mortgage all the there's a lot of people in the supply chain or in this this value prop of just housing if you will um that really impacts the real economy um across various industries right but now let's let's take that um let's let's kind of look at that um example uh, from a different perspective, let's assume that um, I I, um, I have a mortgage already, and I already own a home, um, and um, I don't have to um, renew my mortgage for another three years. So I still have, like I've I signed it two years ago for way less than what the uh, fixed rate is. So for me as a consumer. And the, you know, the only person in this economy, in this make fish, uh, in this example economy, um, again, it's not, it hasn't impacted me. Whereas in the first example where I'm a person which doesn't doesn't have a home and that is looking to buy a home, I can't because the cost of borrowing, affordability, I don't meet the stress test, my wages haven't increased. And again, that has an impact. So, uh. Back to my earlier response, which I made about interest rates and, and policy, they, they operate with a lag. So it typically takes 12 to 18 months for any changes, higher or lower, in the overnight rates or interest rates to have an impact on, on the real economy. And, and and in this example that I just outlined, if I'm looking to buy a house today versus if I have already own, own a home and I only have and I have three years still remaining on my mortgage. Well, it's going to impact the second person less than it's going to impact the first person because um I don't have to go to market today to roll in. The same example could be for the person that's signed a lease for a car, um, and there's a few years still outstanding versus one that wants to go buy one today and has to qualify for eight, nine percent. Right. This has an impact on the real economy. So you have inventory now sitting at you know at lots you you have people that are now not able to buy a car using older cars or you know what i mean so people are getting stretched and being impacted by just the dynamics so inflation interest rates for example we're seeing layoffs happening primarily in tech sector right now and those are moving now to other sectors but again if you were in tech um you're getting impacted to some degree right so it's The one thing that we've written about is that interest rates, uh, you know, it's like, you know, if you, if you, the analogy we use, it's, it's like if you, if you give someone a hammer, everything looks like a nail, Yep. but unfortunately a carpenter can't build a house with just a hammer, right? They need all these other tools. Unfortunately for policymakers, um, the single tool that they really have is interest rates and changing those interest rates are how they cool inflation, how they uh, stimulate the economy. But it's an imprecise tool, and it has worked to some degree. But again, there's there's a lot of side effects to, to to these changes in policy rates. The faster you do it, the less visibility you have on the impacts of those changes on the real right. economy. Right. So we've seen a four percent increase in overnight rates, um, in less than eleven months, which is again very fast and rivals what we saw in the seventies. So again. It's difficult to say what the what the outlook uh, will look like uh, precisely. What we could say is that it's it's likely going to work uh, weaken as we move forward.
0: All right, let's talk a little bit about inflation. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, everyone, uh, anyone who's gone grocery shopping feels the pinch each time they they fill up that basket. Um, People, we know that the overall rate has dropped. Uh, Seems it's still going up, maybe in some sectors, but um, has it generally? peak would you guess now
1: yeah so let me just give you um let me answer that um as part of my second part of my response but i would say for for listeners there's three types of inflationary regimes inflation where the price of all goods or the price of a basket of goods are rising disinflation which is um that price of that basket is rising but at a decreasing rate and then um, um deflation which is the price of all goods or the basket of goods said basket is declining we believe we're past the peak so to answer your question and we're in a disinflationary um um regime now where prices are increasing still but at a at a declining pace um so we've seen Commodities sell off we've seen again we've passed the peak but again like when we look at our grocery bill it does look quite materially higher. So if it's a, a couple bucks off from you know the 10, 15, 20 increase that we've seen for that basket each time we go to the grocery store, a buck or two is is not in itself uh, material, but right. it, it is we're moving in the right direction. Again, supply chains are, are no longer um, an issue. So for example, moving bulk freight or containers from China, Asia to the US, that's no longer an issue. You know, uh, if we look at warehouses in the U.S. and Canada, across the retail space, they're full. They're jam-packed. In fact, what we're seeing is sales. We're seeing a lot of sales go on right now. So there's ample inventory. And again, if we just use that example of autos, there was a lot of front-loading of autos, right? Because, you know, there was a lot of demand. Interest rates were cut during, you know, the... Um, during the, you know, the, 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 the troughs of, of, if you will, COVID crisis. Mm -hmm. And that really made borrowing very affordable for those that were employed. Um, and so again, there was a lot of demand, but there wasn't enough supply. And so a lot of automakers just in this example, and many retailers did the same, they put in big orders and they tried to bring in these orders and get whatever they could. Well, now they've arrived. Mm. But you've seen interest rates move so quickly in the other way. So that's really destroyed kind of the demand outlook, right? And I'm just using autos as an example, but across many categories. So now you have inventory, and now we have companies like Tesla, right? You've probably seen that headline. I'm not poking at Tesla here, but you're seeing them cut prices on their EV. Whereas not long ago, less than a year ago, there were buyers willing to pay more for a used Tesla than they were uh, for a new one because the wait times Were six months now right. there's enough Inventory and And um, They're you know against slashing prices So again we're seeing this theme across the Across the board um, The supply demand mismatches Was there at the start of the pandemic It's it's currently here today too Whereas now there's a lot of supply And demand is going the other way right cup okay. add that with the China Reopening and I, I would I would say fewer, fewer, like, again, we're not going to go through this supply chain stuff, I don't think. Again, anything can happen tomorrow. Sure, China of course, yeah. So, but right now, we're moving in the right direction. We're in a disinflationary regime now. Um, inflation is falling, and, and that's primarily the direct result of just, um, you know, again, supply, demand, temporal differences coming aligned. Right. Um, and then also just the sheer fact of, you know, interest rates, kind of working their way into the real economy
0: all right well let's just continue with interest rates you touched on it i uh, will just touch on it briefly you touched on it earlier today yeah. or earlier in the call here um but uh you know bank of canada i think i said they're on pause the u.s has indicated maybe one more and then a, a, a wait and see approach uh we'll see obviously and you mentioned the ecb uh is the pain done here or, are are we on <laughs> pause for a while i know it's hard to 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 um what they're trying to try to do is not read their minds. Yeah. 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 So so, uh, what's your thoughts?
1: I would say, look, I think a lot has been done. Um, and, and, you know, a headline or even a topic for a piece that I'm looking at, it's that I'm looking to publish is hike pause and then pivot question mark. Because again, a pivot is a change in direction, whereas a pause is nothing like that. Right. Um, it's more just kind of maintaining status quo. So what we are getting is, um, uh, again, central banks are looking at the same data that we are. And what we're seeing, and, and similar to what they're seeing, is that some of those inflationary impulses have cooled. Um, so again, for various reasons. Um, and so now, because central banks, including Canada, in Canada, the U.S., in, in, in the U.K., Eurozone, globally, have done so much in such a short time and in a coordinated manner it's it seems reasonable for them to kind of now stop and just right. just wait and see uh you know how these interest rates um have impacted uh the various areas of 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 the economy the reality is is that um, again, they have an imprecise tool. And while everyone's watching them and saying, you could have, should have, would have done this, you saw this, and you didn't do this, they have one tool, right? right. And um, if they start cutting today, let's assume that they start cutting today, and depending on where they are, what, like which central bank are referring to, it could, it could reignite inflation. And right. for those of you that don't believe me, I would say if you can go and find a CPI chart, uh, so that's... Um, the, the the consumer price index chart and you can find this on fred you can find this on stats canada you can just google it go back to like the 50s or even the 30s and what we saw or as far as you can go what we saw in the 70s is interest rate went up as inflation rose uh interest rates were cut as in tra- as inflation fell but those cuts just reignited in addition to other factors that were occurring in the in the um, and, and you know macro climate um reignited inflation again and so interest rates went back up so again i think where policymakers are um central bankers if you will globally are are keeping an eye on is hey did we is this just a temporary slowdown in inflation or have we really pulled out all of you know the excess uh that's been driving these pressures um you know, again, for consumers. And and I would right. say just from a Canadian standpoint, just imagine uh, just housing. It's yeah. it, it gets so much airtime and, you know, affordability is just terrible here in Canada, no matter where you're looking for a home. But that's more of a supply issue. That's more of a, you know, policy issue. And if you just don't have enough supply and there's a lot of demand for a particular good here, and that's just single-family housing, okay? if the cost to to qualify to borrow is 8% and it goes down back to where it was, let's say 2% and there's no no difference in the supply demand dynamic. Well, guess what? You have now inflation. Well, shelter is a big function of the CPI basket. And if there's no supply that also impacts those individuals that are renting. So again, it's 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 one tool that the central banks have, and they're trying to impact food, commodities, excess demand, you know, housing, you name it, services. For example, all of us have hopefully taken some R and R over the last several months and gone on a vacation. Just look at the headlines, right? Um, how much does it cost to travel today? Um, so again, there's a shortage of people. All these factors are you know, making things quite difficult for, you know, the inflationary dynamics. So while we are going in the right direction um, and interest rates have been helpful, it's, it's difficult to say, all right, we're, you know, depending on the region, um, if we're going to go from pause to start cutting, right. And sense. typically, typically interest rates are getting cut just before you enter a recession. For those of you that want to kind of check that, Take a look at what happened in March of 2020. And you'll see that just before, you know, the, you know, just before that point, we saw cuts, 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 overnight rates. So,
0: all right, well, to finish off, let's uh hit me with some of the major risks or some of your concerns uh quickly here as we uh wait for Wyerton Willie to let us know what's going on in terms. Yeah. of Yeah.
1: So look, there's, there's, I think I've outlined all the risks, right? Like I think we're, the major ones is, you know, just the just the sheer pace and magnitude of how things have changed. Um, you really, you really don't know the real impact on 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 the economy, consumers, different types of companies, different kind of areas within um, industries within the real economy, right? And when you move this quickly, it's like breaking with both your feet while driving on, on a highway going hundred miles per hour. Right. Like just imagine, and just there's, there's a higher likelihood you break something, you give someone in the vehicle a whiplash, you know, right. Um, our hearts will probably miss a beat, right? Like there's, there's, there's risks to doing things very aggressive and very quickly. Uh, and I think again, back to just, of playing both sides here to some degree again if you only have one tool and you're trying to get one of the components which is inflation down um it made sense for them to move policymakers to move this quickly but reality of it is is that if we go back and look at past recessions uh past crises price past kind of ends to economic cycles they've they've proceeded you know you know hikes hiking cycles right and typically when the fed stops you know that, that's an indication um that you know we're nearing the end right so there's a lot of uncertainty china's again an oddball what happens with the russian ukraine um you know situation again is is very um is, is is a is a risk and in the u.s they're hitting the debt ceiling right and we now have you know a majority in in the house led by the republicans who again they're they're going to they're going to put up a tough fight right on the spending right. side or the fiscal discipline side so again these things could create more uh you know more noise more uncertainty and really change what we say today um in terms of what our outlook is just given how things develop so again and you brought it up at the onset of the call right in january while we expected january of last year while we expected markets to be very uncertain and volatile and um and largely uh you know dependent on the fact that you know central banks were going to tighten policy what we didn't know are the two unexpected elements that came to market just shortly after um the first month of the year was the russia ukraine war and then china maintaining its zero COVID policy right so sure. Those are the risks. The one thing that I, I you didn't ask, I would say for investors that I've probably scared on this call. Look, I think when there's uncertainty, when there's you know clear no clear direction, this is this is the time where you need to be really focused on allocating capital to um, you know markets, asset classes, securities that have just been indiscriminately sold on these worries, right? Nobody really knows where the markets are going. But in an investment that is a good um, investment um, or an asset or security that can, you know, provides fairly reasonable visibility, um, you know, again, and can help clients reach their return goals, um, I I think those are warranted and should be invested in. For example, a government bond that is issued by Bank of Canada or the Fed, for example… They're, if they're kind of you know offering you four percent to lend them money over a, a various time frame they're the monetary authority they can print more money to pay you but you're getting that four percent irrespective that's just an example but there are many 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 examples of very solid businesses out there that have various securities whether it's bonds equities or stocks if you will that are trading at a discount that look attractive um, and I would say we're seeing better opportunities from a risk reward. so a lot of this negativity, a lot of a lot of the uncertainties really baked in where there's a low hurdle for companies to really um, right. um, kind of exceed um, for investors to actually make a reasonable return. China is the case in point because that was baby with the bathwater this will this is just the end of China and the second largest economy they're destroying it right that market is up hard in, in, in a period that no one expected uh, for this to happen. So again, being globally diversified, seeking out opportunities, especially in markets where again, heads, you win tails, you don't lose much. So what that means is earnings are, are, you know, again, a low bar for earnings valuations are very reasonable. Um, and so again, if what we're saying materializes great. If they don't, there's, there's, there's huge upside. Right. Um, and, and even in the in the worst case where it, it, it is maybe a bit more severe than what we're suggesting, well, the downside is limited because it's it's already pricing in a lot of, of kind of the uncertainty on the market. So again, I would, I, I don't want to scare investors here. I want to share our outlook and we publish quite a bit. So again, reach out to us um, directly, follow us on LinkedIn uh, or myself on LinkedIn But again, there's lots of opportunities, which we've highlighted for investors. So there's risks, but many, many opportunities. And I would say when you see the blood in the street, as Buffett says, that's when you're buying. That's when you should be buying.
0: Right. There's nothing wrong with buying something uh, on sale that you're going to need in the future. Now, uh, Wyreton willing is uh, calling for an early spring. So that's a little bit good news at the end of this. Um, I know it's supposed to be approximately a minus 1 billion degrees here in Toronto this weekend or uh, in the next couple of days. So I'm looking forward to an early spring. Uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to join the podcast today, Nadim, sharing your insights. It's always very, very interesting. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Have a have a good one. And I hope you're right that we get an early, early spring.
0: Reach out to us at the Advantage Investor pod at RaymondJames.ca. Subscribe to the Advantage Investor on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Please contact your advisor with any questions you have. On behalf of Raymond James and the Advantage Investor, thank you for taking the time to listen today. Until next time, stay well. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Statistics and factual data and other information are from sources Raymond James Limited believes to be reliable, but their accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Information is furnished on the basis and understanding that Raymond James Limited is to be under no liability whatsoever in respect thereof. It is provided as a general source of information and should not be construed as an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any product and should not be considered tax advice. Raymond James Advisors are not tax advisors, and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax-related matters. Securities-related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund.